Hey, everybody, and welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. This is week 40 of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host, and I am also a career empowerment coach that is fiercely dedicated to getting everyone in 2022 to realizing their true career potential. This month, we're going to zero in on the secret sauce in the job search process, what people are looking for as they seek jobs, where can they find them, how to stand out. We're going to weigh the pros and cons of whether to contract or permanent. It's a decision that's very personal and one that is definitely available out there. We're also going to talk candidly about resumes. There's a lot of what I call an advice chasm out there. One person tells you to do one thing, another person tells you to do another. What worked for one may not work for all. You've got to take a great deal of care with your resume and make it a very personal document. Some people are making it too esoteric, so it doesn't tell enough of a story. And some people are sucking way too much on their resume and not leaving a ta-da out there for people to seek further. So people who are reading your resume are reading it as if there's nothing held back and it's not really what we're looking for. What in reality, they haven't spoken to you. So we're going to talk about all of those things. By the way, I appreciate our listeners so much. If you're ever interested in getting in touch with us and asking questions, info at flintcoachingllc.com. Drop us a line, ask us a question. We have got many over the course of the last 40 weeks. One of them is where do you get your information from? We do extensive research, not just in respect to periodicals like Harvard Business Review or, or Forbes or something like that. We do that, but we also have access to hundreds of excellent HR executives, excellent hiring and professional services company that help people get placed when they've been laid off from an organization. We have a number of contacts, not just our clientele, although that does play a role, but we've hundreds and hundreds of applicants, hundreds and hundreds of experiences, probably in the thousands at this point that we tap into. So rest assured they're reputable, rest assured these are real life examples, and it's not just a small microcosm of what's really going on out there. Okay, let's get started. Today, we're going to talk about specifically what people who are looking for a job are really looking for. And we're going to talk about ways they can find it, the pros and the cons of what they're looking for, because in some instances, it really isn't the right thing to be looking for, if I'm to be honest, because it doesn't necessarily exist where they're looking. It's not that it doesn't exist. It's that old adage that if you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome, it's not going to happen. You got to change things up. So we're going to call balls and strikes on that today. In the past six months, I have had no less than probably, I would say 20, 25 calls from potential clients that are seeking a new job after an average of only about seven months at a place of business. Seven months. Pre-pandemic, those numbers were four years. During the pandemic, it dropped to two. And now it's about seven months. This is unprecedented. Some have worked with recruiters to get those jobs. They've relied on their networks. And in almost every case, they were sold on the fact that it was better than where they were. 
And I find two things really interesting. One is that no one is looking to go back to where they came from. So they've been seven months in this new venture. They were four plus years previous. They don't want to go to the four plus years previous thinking things may have changed. No one is doing that. They're looking still for something new. Number two, most of them want to pivot to something completely different in their career because they've had two bad examples and now they want to do something completely different. How can I career empowerment coach position my experience and my talent and leverage it as transferable skills someplace else? And while I love that challenge, and we've been super, super successful in 2022 in doing that, having placed over 40 clients in brand new vocations, that's pretty impressive. And by impressive, it's not me, it's my clients. They were able to pull this off. I'm not going on the interviews for them. Remember, all I can do is help shape how that interview plays out. So there is that, but you know, I did that. I took my experience, I left the corporate confines and I started a company. Many of my peers have done that. If you have the ingenuity, you have the idea, you have the drive, it can happen. But what is so alarming to me is the quick turnaround that people have, even there, starting a business and saying, the second it gets difficult, I can't do this. So people aren't staying anywhere very long. And when it's your own business, it can be a very costly mistake to just cut and run. Because it takes time. It takes time to build up your clientele. It takes time to get people to trust you and your product or services. And there is still a rampant turnover. Month after month, we're seeing millions leave the workforce for something else. Another job, a business, go back to school, so many reasons. But this is despite a looming recession, a slowing hire market. We're going to talk about that today, too. The realities of the hiring market is in some industries, it's very stable. In some industries, I would watch out in 2023. People are still looking, though. Today, we're going to share a meta-analysis of data research and observations in my clientele and give you some tips and techniques and some reality checks, I think, about the job and getting what you want or not. Let me preface this by saying, if people want these things, and I'm going to list the things that people want in a new job, if people want these things, and as an organization, you're listening to this, or you represent an organization in an HR capacity, if you have these things, or you're building these things, you need to show your card as an organization during the interview process. They want to see it in the job posting. Like before you're even introduced, they will do their research, career applicants, they will check you out on Glassdoor, they will call their peers, they will find out what the industry standard pay is, what the benefits are for the role, how you treat your people. And remember, a lot of this could be misperception by a really sour person that had a bad experience, maybe one experience, but if they latch onto it, you're screwed. If you offer less in an interview, in a job description, on your website about the reputation of your company, you are doing yourself a disservice. So many clients have come to me having braved the job search on their own for a short or long period of time. It varies, but in most instances, they are so stymied by the fact that most companies don't walk the talk. 
they talk a good game or they don't talk any game and there's so much ambiguity, they're really lost in the process, really lost. So let's talk about the things that they are actually looking for when they're looking for a job. So the number one thing that people are seeking when they're looking for a new job is obvious. They're looking for better pay and better benefits. According to a Pulse research study done by PricewaterhouseCooper, half the people that are looking for a new job are looking for a better wage. And a third of them are looking for better benefits. So Many times prospective employees will ask me, at what point do I ask? Sometimes people will ask you early in an interview process, what are you looking to make? And it's such a jaded question. It's very jaded because you may not be getting paid what you're worth in your own head with the amount of work you're currently doing in a job, but you're also not being treated well. So you don't want to be that person that says this incredible amount of money you want to make, and that's not what the industry is paying, and you've soured them on going further in the interview process. So it's it's a very jaded question. People are very confused as to what to say when. In the early stages of an interview process, make very clear to people I've been in this industry a while, as you can see on my resume. I'm looking to make a specific range. I'm not comfortable at this point of the interview process discussing it, but I will say I'm negotiable and I'm obviously very pragmatic. Leave it at that. If they're okay with that, you move on. Great. If they're looking for a solidified range, do your homework on Glassdoor. Glassdoor is reasonably accurate based on a lot of people putting their own income in there, but it's a myriad of industries. So you're getting a very interesting meta-analysis of what people are making in any one industry based on a job title. Not every company, not every industry pays the same for a project manager, as an example. So you got to be sort of careful about that. Start to ask around your network, people who have the roles that you would like to be in, see if they feel comfortable at least giving you a range to ask for, not asking them, what do you make? If they feel comfortable, great, let them tell you. Go ahead and do your research before you show up for the interview, because that question is coming up early in the interview process. So you can either be negotiable, as I mentioned, or you can actually give them a range. It's totally up to you. If they don't call you back as a result of the range, that's not the job you're looking for. Don't compromise your value for the sake of having a job unless you really need one. I think we all need to pay our bills. But what I'm saying is if you are already employed, even in a place you're not happy, be satisfied with the fact that for whatever reason, the job interview isn't continuing, it, you probably dodged a bullet. The other thing that people are looking for in terms of benefits, it's not just medical benefits or insurance or dental. It's not that simple. People are looking for perks, health and wellness perks, flexible time off includes paternity leave. Some companies are offering, this had been a big thing in the 80s and 90s, and it's coming back. I actually like this perk. After five to seven years of tenure, they give you a bulk of time off, which they call a sabbatical. And technically, you're supposed to be doing something for the good of your role. Frankly, I think seven weeks of time off is in a lump sum is pretty 
much a good mental health build for you. So you are doing something for yourself. But realistically speaking, they're looking for you to do something along the lines of self-betterment, like go on a retreat somewhere, take a course, something like that. But they give six or seven weeks of sabbatical time off with job security and you still got paid too. So that's lovely. That's coming back. Another thing is a lump sum annually for continuing education. So people can continue to build. Companies are getting real to the fact that people are doing it anyway. They're going online and taking courses. They're hiring coaches. They're doing all kinds of things to self-better. The reality is companies are saying, hey, we'll contribute to the cost of it or tuition reimbursement. That's making a comeback as well. Companies realize they also can't do it all themselves and they haven't been really doing it well. Coming from my background in training and learning and development, I can honestly tell you a lot of companies really fail at implementing things. Some have done an amazing job though. I don't want to focus only on the negative. So the number one thing is pay and benefit. If they ask you early on, so what if they ask you later on, which is very typical, what are you looking to make? You're four or five interviews in, you've interviewed with a panel of people. They're starting to look into your background check as well as your references and everything's starting to move very quickly. Again, do your research. That's when they do need a range. That's when you should be saying, I have spent X years in this industry. I've done my research, not just on Glassdoor, but I've also talked to people who hold this role in the same industry. Here's the range I'm comfortable making. I would like to be making mid to high that level. Does this resonate with what you were thinking of offering? If you don't say that, they'll tell you where are you getting your research? You need to really do your research, really take a look online, reach out to your network, see what people are making in the role that you're interviewing for. Come to the table with real accurate information. You also probably will make them think a little bit more about your value. Leveraging your value and what you shared with them in the interview process and tying that to dollars and cents is important. The second thing that people are really looking for is flexibility. A lot of people didn't like working virtually. They like working in an office environment. So as companies are starting to see, there are a lot of people that are enjoying coming back into an office setting. According to Gallup, 70% of people are either virtual or hybrid at this point. So there are a lot of people who like that as well. And offering both, offering the ability to thrive in one's environment, whatever that environment may be, and having the trust that people can be productive in any environment is really great. I will tell you that there are people that are specifically seeking that because what they want to understand is, should COVID spike again? or another, God forbid, pandemic breakout. How are you prepared? What have you learned from our experiences with this in the workplace? Or is it going to be another shuffling situation, hard decision, putting people at risk, all of these things? I think people are forever changed by what they experienced in their place of employment during a pandemic and how the company was able to meet the needs of their staff. Some of the pros of a flexible environment is when companies create these self-service things, whether it is the ability to communicate with each other in real time. They use things like MS Teams. They've set up some sort of a system where people can be in constant contact with each other. Other pros of a flexible workplace include 
a lot of self-service HR thing. So if you want to change your insurance, they allow that at a couple of different times during the year, not just in open enrollment time. Or if you want to increase your benefits, some of the more individual choice benefits like life insurance and things like that, they offer it not in just one window, but they offer it in a self-service capacity online in a portal that they've set up for their employees. That type of thing goes a long way. Having that self-service immediacy, it goes a long way. Some of the cons of a flexible environment is a loss of a sense of community. It's why they're creating self-service. It's why they're creating an opportunity to work in a hybrid situation because not every day do you want to, but some people like the flexibility. So if I was running an organization, I would be offering flexibility. I would also be offering training for leaders because the other con to this design is that leaders don't know how to lead in a virtual framework. They're still not very good at it and there's still not a lot of trust that everyone can operate in those situations. And if people aren't detected to be productive, what do those conversations sound like? We talked a lot this year in several of our episodes about the ABCD conversations, having difficult conversations to try to get people to sharpen their skills, try to coach them, try to develop them, try to get to the nitty gritty of a situation that you assume is not going well and why not everybody's cut out to be in a virtual environment. They think they are, but they spend too much time watching TV and not really doing their job. And so not everybody can work in those environments despite wanting them. So being a leader and being able to detect that before it becomes an issue and really coach and counsel that out is really, really important. But flexibility is the number two thing that people are looking for. The number three thing that I think people are looking for really piggybacks off the previous example, which is stronger leadership. Indeed.com said that 95% of 500 people asked said reputation is the most important thing that attracts them to a new opportunity. The reputation of the organization, that there is empathy, compassion, and humanity within the fabric of the DNA of the organization is what I'm hearing my clientele and from others who have coaching clients as well. Empathy, compassion, and humanity rise to the top, particularly from their direct report leadership. If they don't exist in an individual and it doesn't occur to somebody to be empathetic, it is a very difficult thing to impart upon someone who just doesn't have it. There is a tremendous cultural shift in most companies Companies are trying to invest in training leaders to be better coaches, to be better super sleuths, as I mentioned earlier, in a virtual environment, to be more present, to ask better questions. All of these things are great, but only if the leaders who have been trained to them actually use them. And so how do we hold people accountable to that is the question. 40 to 60% of over 1,500 leaders that have been asked in the last two years what training they have received, they've received something along the lines of empathy, something along the lines of being present, something along the lines of coaching. 40 to 60% of mid-level leaders have said that out of 1,500. That's really, really interesting because the bleeding continues. And when the bleeding continues and exit interviews take place, 
they're saying it's not resonating with these leaders. You're not doing it. You may be trained to it, but you're not executing on it. So very high on the list. Number three on the list of what people are looking for is that the company's reputation is they walk the talk with strong leadership. Pros to it is that turnover is less likely to happen. People in the workplace have a higher level of responsibility and output. Employee satisfaction is very very high at companies where leaders have been able to execute on those things that they've been trained to. In companies where they have not, the bleeding continues. Leadership not connecting with their people, not being trusted by their people, not communicating well, not committing to things and pulling through, not championing anything that their people do, but just layering on top more job, more tasks, more tactics, more things they have to do without a thank you, without a recognition, without calibrating, hey, what are my people doing? They're just sort of expecting their people to perform without a lot of ingenuity or with a lot of ambiguity. And that's not, that's not fruitful. So Companies, take a look at your leadership. Just because they have a leadership role, you should be holding them accountable. And if they're not doing their job, if they're not able to connect, communicate, commit, champion, calibrate, and cultivate your organization's talent, then they perhaps should not be part of your leadership team. True story. The fourth most important thing that people are looking for in new opportunities is a future with the organization. If they don't see themselves in the long haul, that's why this seven month turnover happens. Because in all of the instances of my clients leaving companies in less than a year, it's that I was looking for greener pastures. They told me things in the interview that I thought I could resonate with, but it was really just more of the same. It was a lot of lip service. There's no clear path forward. That has come out of the mouth of at least five of my clients in the last six months. There's no clear path forward. They hired me for this job. And with performance, I would hope that over time I would be on somebody's radar. I would hope that I would get a better bonus, get a better pay, get an accolade, get a promotion. God forbid. What is the career path? There's no path. It's the path to nowhere. Companies are so stuck in, we've got to get back to where we were pre-pandemic that they forgot that people want to also get back there in terms of before the pandemic, I had a career path in place. I knew that in five years time, I would be doing something different with performance. And there's nothing now. There's a lot of unknown. So companies remember people. Companies are also reeling from what they experienced in pandemic. People are what builds companies back. So the more that we can give in to what we want to get out and really express, hey, this is what I'm looking for in the interview. If it doesn't exist, yes, you may not get a call back. But if it doesn't exist, why would you want to get a call back? And people will argue with me, well, I need a job. Do you need a job? Or are you looking for a career with a path forward? That is one of the cons to saying that I want a career path is it's not that you're just looking for a job or an opportunity. You're looking for a career path. So ask in the interviews, do you have set career paths? 
development. I see you have a learning and development department. What do they do? Give me some examples. How do you champion and develop your people as a leader? Ask these questions in the interview. The companies that have them, the pros are monumental, monumental. People flock to those companies because they feel invested in. They feel like they're part of the community. They feel like people are listening to them. They feel like there is promise with performance, promise with performance. That is the fourth most probable thing that people are looking for when they leave an organization is a future. The fifth And final point that I will make today about what people are really looking for is the one that to me resonates the most. And that is a value-based culture. It's not diversity, equity, and inclusion alone. It is far greater than that. It is seeing talent and cultivating it. Cultivate by the honest definition is taking soil and fortifying it so that it can grow things well. In a corporate environment, it means that you are taking good people with talent and you are bridging gaps that may exist. You are finding opportunities for them that may exist to grow, to develop, to build upon their skills and knowledge so that they can excel in what they're doing and position them for the next thing they want to do. Companies that do that are incredibly good at it because they have leaders that they have pinpointed who can speak to being farmers (laughs) and cultivating crops and not just in an analogous way, but they show it by asking their people for the time they're hired, day one, what is it you want to do with your career? Where that question that they ask you in the interview isn't just lip service. Hey, where do you see yourself in five, seven, 10 years? I dislike those questions in the interview, because to me, you don't know if you're going to hire that person. And it may be a red flag to an applicant that I don't know what you do at five to seven to 10 years. I don't know how strong your company is. So if you're going to ask that question in an interview, and I said this in a previous episode, be sure there's a reason why you're asking and not just detecting, hey, we don't know if our company is strong. We don't really have a career path. Are you coming here to look for a career path? But people should be asking that of themselves so that on day one, you expect that a leader who cares about your growth and cares about getting you what you're looking for and supporting you 110% is going to ask that. If not the first day, the first month, the first two months, but very early on, you should know what your people want to do long-term with their career. And it may not be at your company and that's okay, but it is a question that you're going to want to follow up on. And that when you talk about their skills and knowledge and you coach them on those things, you're coaching back to that that path forward. That's what a value-based culture is. You value the people. No matter who they are, no matter what walk of life, race, religion, creed, whatever, however they gender identify, it is really about how well do they do their job? How can I support them to do even better? And how can I make them feel the love, the appreciation that I have for them? And that it trickles down from above. There's employee recognition constantly swelling around the company. There's talk of passion in what they do. There's a credo that's lived by and talk that's walked 
I recently published an article, it's a blog on LinkedIn. It was part of a three-part series on bringing courtesy back to the workplace because I feel like in all of my research, that's the one thing that is so easily fixed that is ignored. It's absolutely ignored and it's not expensive to make the fixes. And it goes back to what I was saying about reputation means something to people. Value-based culture also is what they say they stand for, they absolutely do. For example, if you work for an organization that says they're all about patients and they're in healthcare, but yet offer terrible insurance, medical and dental benefits to their people, you don't walk in the top. You're absolutely not walking the top. If you talk about your customer is number one, your internal customers, your employees, and if you never listen to what they say, why would you want to work for a company like that? You wouldn't. But it's so simple to make some of these changes. So having a value-based culture is extremely, extremely important. 75% of people who have left their jobs in the last two years have said, I wasn't part of a value-based culture in some semblance of what that meant, 75%. And when you look at people who have left companies in droves, 4 million, 3 million, 2 million, month after month after month after month, and some leaving the workplace forever to open their own gig, you've got to start listening to it. And you've got to, as one of those people, start asking the right questions. When you're looking for something in particular, ask what it is you are looking for, because it comes down to three things. Really, it comes down to money, people, and opportunity. Money, people, and opportunity. Is this a place where I'm going to get paid well and appreciated and given bonuses? and time off, and flexibility, and great healthcare is that present? Ask those questions. Are these people I really want to spend 85% of my waking hours with, virtually or in person? Can I learn from this leader? Can I trust the leadership above him or her or they? And that's another thing. Are these people going to identify me for who I am, appreciate me for what I bring to the table, cultivate my talent? Am I going to learn? And am I going to develop? Am I going to get great skills and knowledge? Or are they going to expect me to just completely be on autopilot and autonomous through the whole thing? Are my coworkers going to reach out to me in a virtual environment? Is there a sense of community? Do they have self-service options for things? Are these the right people? Ask the question. Meet as many as you can. Instead of sighing, oh my God, I have a panel interview with 10 people, be glad you do. Ask them intrinsic questions to how you would work with that person or their team. Should you get this job? And finally, where is the opportunity? Are you going to be invested in? Are you going to have a leader that sees a path forward for you? And when you express what that path forward you want to look like, they can help you get there so that's what people are really looking for. That is absolutely what people should demand. Hopefully we've given you some reason this week to be asking those questions and seeking those opportunities and only those opportunities that make sense to you. I'm Andrea Pagnozzi. I enjoyed this conversation and I look forward to next week's conversation. Same time, same place, 
even more power. 